Western United, can they find something here? Big chance, Barisha! He's done it again! And it's a goal! Unbelievable! What about this? Dylan Piraeus, his first touch of the game! Sanchez! Western United do claim the three points! And Diamante again! Oh, he's done it! Twice! He's chipped a keeper! Presented by Simmons, it's the Green Room. On FNR, Football Nation Radio. Oh, it's always a big G up when we hear that music, isn't it, Nick Hughes? It is. I absolutely love it. All those old commentary lines. Feels like, uh, well, feels like it's time. It's time to come back. Absolutely. And it is time for the A-League season to finally kick off after a serious drought. Uh, the off-season, one of the longest in world football. We've been waiting for so, so long. But coming up, a marquee fixture on a Saturday night in Geelong, the Westgate Derby against Melbourne Victory. What a game to kick off the year. Oh, it's it's going to be huge. So, so exciting. Uh, it's it's one of the longest off-seasons in, in all of sport, let alone, you know, Australian sport that we have for, um, for our domestic football competition. And to come back with a bang... Western United Melbourne victory. There's been some some classic games already in the first couple of years between the two teams, and uh, I'm sure this one will be no different. So many storylines, two new coaches, loads of new players. Um, uh, lo- looking towards a, a sellout for uh, obviously what is a 50% uh, mm. capacity GMHBA stadium. It's it's going to be huge, uh, and you know both both teams probably need a response from last season as well. So they'll be they'll be looking for a big early three points. Absolutely raring to go. Uh, if you want to get in touch with the show tonight, uh, you can comment below on the live streams. We'll be monitoring those, or you can call us. Our talkback lines are double nine double four double nine double nine. And the show is, of course, proudly presented by Simmons Homes, the great Australian builders, and the lovely front of shirt sponsors, as you can see in the background there. Now. I'm Josh, he's Nick, we've got a massive guest joining us. Dylan Wenzel-Halls signs for the club this season from the Brisbane Raw after making quite an impression in the last couple of campaigns. And he joins us now. Dylan, welcome to the Green Room. My pleasure, thanks for having me. Tell us a little bit about uh, your journey to get to Melbourne, to get to Western United. Who did the pitch come from? Where was the first contact and and what appealed to you about the, uh, the opportunity? Um... Going back uh, probably a year ago, Weston tried to get me on loan um, to come for the season. Uh, that fell through. Um, but, you know, the the ambition the club has, um, being such a young club as well, being a part of something, you know, quite brand new was such an attractive, appealing, you know, thing to me. Um, and, and also to come and play with quality players in which, you know, Weston's possessed over the last few seasons. John Aloisi has been a big influence in your career, signing you to an A-League club after you tore up the MPL in Queensland. Is that a big motivating factor as well? Yeah, of course. Obviously, you know, he gave me my, my first uh, opportunity to play professional football, so I was always going to be grateful for that. And to join up with him again, um, you know, is fantastic and exciting. You know, he's always played an exciting brand of football, um, a clear sort of structured um, you know, philosophy, which is, um, is always important. You know, everyone knows their roles. So, yeah, I'm excited to get going and for the season to start. We spoke, uh, I remember, fairly, uh, fairly soon after you'd signed about um, how you really felt that, you, uh, that the club really wanted to, to sign you and, and that was a, a motivation for you that you felt, uh, yeah, really wanted by the club. Now, having had a few months of, of training, how have you felt that sort of develop? How has, has the squad embraced you? I think good. Obviously, um, you know, changing teams can be difficult. Um, you know, having a you know a good change room and good you know bunch of friends at Brisbane, um, and leaving that to to, to Western is um, you know it was an easy transition. The boys are fantastic. Um, I get along with everyone quite well. Um, I think um, you know they've they've welcomed me and obviously been so generous and nice. So off the field, we've got a really good group. I think everyone uh, everyone gets on well and, and clicks and. Um, you know that makes it so much easier to play football because you know when you get a well get on well off the field, it you know yeah it makes it easier out there and you work for each other. But um, I'm really enjoying it um, on the field. You know it's, it's a fantastic team. You know you got the likes of Kilkenny, Diamante. You know you got Payne, Walesy out wide, Rizzo. He's a beast. So to play with you know good players like that, I think we're um you know we're building something you know special and 
Um, but you know, off the pitch, yeah, look, I get along with the boys really well and it's, um, it's been an easy transition. Something we were talking about on our A-League, uh, league-wide preview rather last night was, uh, your relationship with, uh, a kind of target player who you can play into the feet to. And, and some of your best football at Brisbane last season came when Scott McDonald was up front and you can exchange those quick passes with him and run off him. Have you been starting to develop that kind of relationship with a guy like Prijevic who, who will present for the ball like that with his back to goal? Yeah, obviously touching on last year, I think, you know, my best football did come with Scotty Mack playing with him. You know, he was fantastic. Ball goes into him and I could sort of just play in and around him and, and off him. So that really helped. And, you know, once he left, I, I think I missed him a lot, but, um, you know, Alex is, is a big boy. He's huge. You know, he's a target man. So, you know, that's the plan to run off players like that. Obviously, you've got Deer as well, feeding balls in um, in behind and, and to Alex as well. So, yeah, I think those relationships will come, you know, the more I play with Alex and, and the more, obviously, we train. He's only, um, you know, just joined us recently. Um, but, yeah, for sure, I think some of my best football does does come with that. How's the the competition for places been early doors in training uh, obviously, we know there there weren't too many opportunities for friendlies. We've we've now had the first game or competitive game in, in the FFA Cup over the weekend. It's a squad stacked with talent. Uh, you're you're a versatile player. You can play through the middle or out wide. How is that? You know, five, six, seven player contingent. Um, you know, showing into training every day and, and really competing with each other for for those starting places. Yeah, it's massive. The squad depth is, I think, that's something we've got in abundance. Um, we've got plenty of good players and, you know, plenty of good players in all different positions. So um, competition for places is, is hot at the moment and, you know, everyone wants to start start round one. So I think everyone's obviously working hard towards that goal. And, um, you know, when it comes to the, uh, the internal games that we had early doors before um, lockdown ended, you know, everyone was wanting to leave their mark, you know, score, assist, obviously have a good game to, to impress the boss and, um, and ultimately now with, with new players coming in towards the back end of uh, pre-season, um, you know, it's been as, as competitive as ever. I think everyone's fighting for that spot. And if you, if you look at our squad, we've got plenty of players that, that certainly could start at a lot of, uh, a lot of A-League teams. Tell us about uh, the making, making the jump from semi-professional football to the A-League uh, initially at Brisbane Raw. What's that experience like going from a part-time environment to full-time? And what challenges did it present you initially? I think the biggest challenge was obviously being in the, the youth team. Um, I was there for about a year. I got told uh, I was getting old. Um, I was 18, I think. I got told I was getting on. and <laughs> a, Yeah, so that was obviously difficult, not knowing that, you know, knowing how hard it is to get to the MP, uh, from the MPO to the A-League was, was something that was challenging because I, once I, you know, was released by Brisbane in the youth team, I thought that could be it potentially. You know, that might be my chance. Done, gone. Um, you hadn't seen many players go from the MPO to the A-League, but... I think the biggest thing I just took with me was I had to work harder than the people around me. So, you know, when everyone else was in, you know, finished training, I'd stay out and do my extras. Obviously Um, I sort of try, I tried to train like a professional as well. Like I tried to train every day. I did. I went to the gym um, and trained, even if my team didn't have training that night, Um, you know, because I thought, well, I thought were, you know, players I was better than in the A-League, they're training five, six days a week and I'm training two or three in an NPL club. That's not enough. So I think that was the biggest challenge, but um, but then I guess the challenge then was to um, go out there and actually prove that I was worth you know an opportunity in the A League and um, go out there and you know score my goals and and um, you know really you know make headlines I suppose and um, you know I was lucky that you know John did give me the chance to come back to Brisbane um, something I'll be forever grateful for but yeah look it's it's a tough time as well because I think a lot of players just get released from youth teams and then that's it for them they you know go under the radar or you know, don't really kick on from there or go to the NPL and kick on. So uh, for me, that was the biggest challenge. Even with the kind of crazy numbers you racked up uh, in NPL Queensland, is there ever a time where you felt kind of disheartened, like no one's watching? Because sometimes I, I, want, I'm, I love the NPL, I commentate it, uh, but sometimes I wonder whether the teams are paying enough attention to the really talented players in those divisions. Obviously, you know, you did get your chance, but was there a time there where it seemed like it wasn't going to happen for you? I think so, especially in Queensland, I think with the 1A League team, um, mm. you know, being released from them, I thought that, you know, it'd be difficult to get back there. Um, obviously, it might be a bit different in, in New South Wales and Melbourne where you've got numerous A-League teams. And I think, you know, nowadays, you know, we're only talking three, four years later, but, you know, it's it's almost common for each team to sort of pick up an NPL player almost um, and give them that chance now, which is, is awesome to see. But, yeah, look, at times there was, there was moments where I thought, you know, am I, am I even going to get noticed? Am I going to, you know, make that step into the A-League? But I just have to obviously keep believing and, you know, keep scoring goals. And 
you know, that, that was the thing that I thought. I thought, you know, if, I, if I'm scoring goals consistently in the NPL and I'm scoring two, three, four goals a game, someone's going to have to have a look or, there's, you know, there's, something's going to have to happen, surely. And obviously, yeah, it did, luckily. You, you mentioned um, being told you were getting on at 18. Um, you, you obviously, you're 23, so still very young at the moment. But with that experience in the MPL uh, sphere still uh, very recent in, in your memory, is that something that you feel you can, even at a young age, you can really help uh, some of the younger boys at, at Western United now? I think we've, we've got a lot of, of great young talent. Um, Reese Bozanovsky, Ben Collins recently signing a, a scholarship deal as well. Adesu Bay has already represented the Oli Roos. Is this something, uh, your experience, something you think uh, you can help some of those young boys with? Of course, I think, you know, being in the youth team, coming through, you think that that's it, you're just going to progress the, the first team. It's not the case. Um, and in a lot of cases, that doesn't happen. So, um, you know, even now for, for players on scholarships, you know, if they don't get their chance to play in the A-League, they don't impress, They you know, you can easily fall out of the A-League sort of system. So that makes it difficult. And, yeah, of course, I think that's something I can help with, I suppose. And um, I think, you know, the younger boys probably go to a bit bigger mentors, uh, Italian mentors potentially, yeah. but... Um, but yeah, look, um, obviously it's, it's difficult and I think you just have to glide your time and, and work hard and just I sort of, it's a cliche, trust the process, but just trust that each day you're working hard, um, you're ticking all those boxes um, properly and, you know, you'll get your chance and rewards. You mentioned a certain uh, Italian maestro in that answer. Uh, we've got to ask about him. Uh, what's it like training with Dia? Because we see the little bits and pieces, you know, the Instagram stories yeah. of him spinning, you know, footy balls into the goals from ridiculous angles and things. Is there always some sort of, you know, daily challenge or clinic he puts on? He's always, you know, whether it's trying to chip the keepers from halfway or whether he's at the edge of the 18-yard box trying to chip the keepers, you know, he's always trying different things. And he's fantastic to play with, you know, he's a – you know, like he says, poiba or however you pronounce it, you know, <laughs> happy, happy vibes, happy life sort of thing. So he's always, you know, cheerful and, um, you know, loud and, you know, he's, he, you know, when he's in the change room, you know, he's there. So um, he's got a big presence about him and on the, on the field, he's a fantastic player and he's, he's a pleasure to play with. And, you know, he can find you in those um, situations where you think that you may not be on um, and he'll still try and pick that pass and find you. So you've always got to be ready, but but yeah, he's fantastic. He's a um, he's a funny character. He's a different character, but um, yeah, he's a good personality to have. Well, you're not without a, a sense of humour on the pitch yourself. Actually, we've seen it a few times, uh, grabbing <laughs> people's mullets or uh, you know a little bit of trash talk on the field doesn't you know doesn't phase uh, you. It, it seems. No, I think obviously if you, you ask most players that I played against, they'll say I'm a um, you know not not very nice to play with, and I'm a bit of a uh, bit of an idiot to say, but. Look, I mean, on the field, I'm just trying to get the best out of myself. And if that's, you know, mucking around, you know, talking a bit of trash or touching someone's mullet that gets me fired up and, you know, sort of, I don't know, I think it's a way of me taking the pressure away from my game. I'm just sort of having a joke, having a laugh with old mate next to me, um, rather, you know, focusing on the last mistake that I've just made or focusing on, you know, what I you know, should have scored or should have not, have, you know, sort of passed. So I think it's my way of sort of taking the... Um, you know, taking myself away from the situation and just, you know, having a laugh, I suppose. <laughs> I love that. Um, on the pitch then, uh, getting out for your competitive debut for the club on the weekend. Firstly, how did it feel to, to pull on the colours in a, in a proper match for the first time? Uh, and secondly, how did you, how did you feel come, uh, well, whatever it was, 70-odd minutes that, that you did play, obviously getting the win? Uh, what, what was that whole uh, debut experience like and... and uh, what were your thoughts on your own performance? Um, yeah, obviously it was amazing to, to wear the green and black, um, you know, putting on the jersey and, and walking out there with a bunch of boys that we've just done a, you know, tough sort of 17 weeks of preseason with was just sort of exciting because, you know, it's a long preseason like you guys mentioned and um, it's, it's a, you know, it's, it's a roller coaster. You go through your tough days and your, your, your good days and you, you get smashed and get flogged, but then it's all worth it when you, you know, get to put on the jersey and, you know, play a competitive game and, you know, to get the win, that's most important. I know it was Western United's first ever FFA Cup game. So, um, you know, that's massive for the club. Um, you know, we're in the round of 32 now. Um, so we've got to kick on from there. But personally, you know, I thought I played well. I thought I ran the channels. Um, you know, I was lively. I thought I was dangerous. Um, you know, probably could have scored another day, but um, I'll try and save them for uh, Saturday. 
I want to return to the trash talk st- stuff. <laughs> Nick's asking the serious questions here. I, I just want to know uh, who gives it back to you uh, in terms of your opponents or your teammates as, and so forth. Uh, who are the best uh, trash talkers that you've come up against in your time in the A-League? Well, um, in the A-League, um, Scott Jamison, he loves to oh, love okay. trash talk yeah. and give you a little bit. Um, on the weekend, Matty Yernan was, um, you know, having a having a little nibble at what I was saying as well. So I think everyone sort of just does it, I suppose. It's um, it was really surprising, actually, because you don't see it as much in the NPL. In the NPL, it's more, you know, banter and more, I don't know, they don't, it's not, not as much as that, especially considering you've got, you know, full-time pros that have played at a high level or, you know, 14, 15 odd years in, in the A-League professionally. So, um, yeah, it's pretty cool. I, yeah, like I said, it just gets me away from sort of my game and, um, you know, takes that sort of edge away, uh, you know, it gives me that sort of edge and takes that pressure away. Have you got a go-to line then to to, to lay? If you you skin a centre back, what do you, you come and clip uh, his ear on the way past? Or no, look, to be fair, I don't initiate it a lot of the time. I think you know they'll they'll like come the story. through. <laughs> um, you know, it, it always happens. You know, a centre back goes through you, and you know he thinks you've gone down too easy, and you know calls you a soft, you know yada yada. So you know. You know, especially when I do an older centre back, I just you know give him the old you know if you had a set of legs, you'd get you would have got that. But, um, <laughs> but you didn't. So yeah, look, I don't initiate it. I mean, I don't mean to do it. It's just like I said, it gives me that edge and it's sort of that you know what everyone th- talks about in white line fever. You know, you cross the line and you just you're serious and you'll do what you need to do to to, to get yourself going and, and obviously get the result. And then off the field, you know, I like to think I'm a nice guy. <laughs> Some of the most memorable nights in the, the club short history so far have come against Melbourne Victory. Uh, coming up to this Saturday, there must be a bit of buzz about the group to, to try and uh, write some more headlines. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, we've got a, a quite relatively new squad as well. So do they, you know, we know they'll be better than they were last year. Um, they're a big club and, you know, we want to we wanna beat them, obviously. You know, we want to have a, a good successful season and to, to do that, it starts at round one and um, it'll be a big game and, you know, Geelong's a, you know, a cool stadium. It's nice there. It's a, um, you know, it's not a home game for them. That's our home patch, um, you know, for a few rounds of the season. So we're excited. We can't wait. We know it'll be tough. We know they'll give us a game, but, um, you know, we're going to give our all. And um, like I said, it starts this weekend for us to have a successful season. John Aloisi has been saying that the, the group really does feel like Geelong is, um, you know, the that home that you mentioned for the first couple of weeks. Uh, you, you've had... Uh, the friendly there against Melbourne City FFA Cup game now. Do you do you echo the words of uh, of of John as well and and really feel uh, we were just talking obviously before we went live about um, I think it was both of our first times at the stadium and and how impressed we were with it. So is the is that a, a thing that the the group really feels that they enjoy playing in Geelong? I think so. I think you know notoriously speaking to the boys in the change room, they said that they've done quite well in Geelong. Um, and I think, yeah, I mean, especially against the Melbourne teams, you know, if we play at Amy Park, it's a home game for City and Victory as well. So to sort of get away from Amy Park to, to take those games to Geelong when we play those teams is is massive for us and sort of gives us that home ground advantage and not sort of the both of us. So, of course, yeah, look, it's a, it's a fantastic stadium. It's it's bigger than I thought it was and the pitch is, you know, good. And we started off there, you know, well with a, with a win against Newcastle. So, you know, hopefully we can continue that streak at, uh, in the Geelong Stadium. How do you feel the team is going to play this season? What kind of style of football can we expect? And what what is, uh, without giving away too much, of course, uh, what what has Johnny been drilling into you guys? I think we're going to be we're going to be a very hard working team. We're going to be um, you know working hard both on and off the ball, um, very attacking minded, um, and we're going to press. You know, we're going to work hard and we're going to we're going to collectively press and we're going to um, yeah, I think we're going to play an exciting brand of football, positive um, attacking brand of football that um, I think will get the fans excited. Plenty of talk about uh, a very high internal expectation heading into the season with round one now around the corner. How far can this team go this season? Yeah, I think all the way, obviously, that's the plan. You know, we don't set out to, to come, you know, third or fourth. You know, we set out to, to be successful and, um, and we're going to do the best we can. I think the players we've got, we've got very demanding personalities. Obviously, the boss and, and Foxy are, are very demanding. And then you've got, you know, big demanding personalities like Kilkenny, uh, Diamante, uh, Rizzo has been to a World Cup. Um, you know, we've brought in good quality foreigners too. So I think obviously this team is, like I said before, the depth is, is unbelievable. We've got, um, you know, depth everywhere and we've got good young players coming through, but we've also 
we've got um, you know the older, experienced players that have that have, that have played at a higher level for for many years. So, look, I think we're going to do really well this year. We're going to be successful, and we're going to obviously give our all every week for the uh, the, the the team. And um, yeah. You mentioned Foxy there just quickly. I mean, on one of our uh, lockdown shows uh, a couple of months ago, we were chatting to, to Kilkenny and he, he was saying that uh, Hayden Fox being at Perth, at, uh, at Western United, uh, previously obviously at Perth Glory with him, was a major factor in moving to the club because he's such a detail-oriented assistant and you know picks up stuff that you wouldn't necessarily notice. Is that something you've experienced so far? Yeah, look, he's very detailed. He's very, um, very demanding. It's just the simple things, you know, like how you turn when you, you know, you might be defending a long ball, how you turn and how your hips move sort of thing. So he's very demanding and, um, you know, he's very detailed, you know, and to, to, to be successful, you need those one percenters and those details to, to click for you. And, you know, he's certainly bringing that. Being uh, a new coaching staff uh, as well, I think uh, John and and Hayden have, have worked together before, but obviously I, I guess you, you didn't have the experience of the, the previous coaching staff, but do you feel that there's, you know, that these new coaches are, are really sort of making their, making their mark on the, on the team and stamping some authority and, and bringing a, a culture around the club as well? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, John's very detailed. He's, you know, he's got a clear identity of how he wants to play and a clear sort of picture and um, he's very structured and, and it's awesome. It's good to obviously have that structure so everyone knows their roles, but yeah, for sure. I think, um, you know, it's a big opportunity for, for us players as well, not only the coaching staff, to to really do well this season. And I think, um, yeah, the coaching staff's definitely bringing, you know, their sort of brand of football and implemented that. And everyone's buying in. Um, and that's the biggest thing. So looking longer term for you here in Melbourne at Western United, uh, what, have, uh, what are the goals you've set for yourself? What are your kind of career aspirations in the kind of medium term? Um, well, obviously... I'd like to score my double digits. Um, I want to score double digits. I want to um, score goals and influence games for the football club and obviously ideally win, you know, win the league. I mean, you don't set out to not win the league. Um, and longer term, obviously, you know, I'd love to play for my country. I'd love to play in Europe like any young player grows up wanting to do so. But um, but I think, you know, the biggest thing for me now is just working hard in the short term to, to score my goals and, and be successful on the field in, in scoring goals and assisting goals and being influential and that will help the team obviously be successful overall. Well, uh, judging by this morning, uh, I think the soccerers could use a few goals. So uh, it might be soon. It might come sooner than you think, mate. Um, we should probably let you go, Dylan. Uh, but before we do, do you have any messages to the Western United fans who are thinking about coming down on Saturday night to GMHBA Stadium? Of course, obviously, you know, to the fans, I know it's going to be a, a little bit of a drive, but. You know, we'll make it worth it. We'll be playing a uh, exciting, um, quality, positive, you know, attacking brand of football that will get you off your seats and excited. Um, you know, we're playing against a good opposition, so I think for round one, you know, get out there in numbers and support us. It's sort of a, um, you know, new playing group, new coaching staff, and a, a new opportunity for us all to to set out and do well. So um, the more the more fans we have there, the merrier. Nice one, mate. Uh, we'll catch up with you later on in the season. Best of luck for Saturday night, and welcome to the West. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right. Nick Hughes, tickets are selling fast for Saturday night. Absolutely, they are. Uh, so message from the club, um, you know, get in, get in quick because, like I said, the, there is the 50% capacity at GMHBA mm-hmm. Stadium. You know, membership uh, will get priority for tickets. So join up, membership, get your tickets. Um, Kids go free. Exactly. Kids go free as well. It's a, it's a day out for the family where – we're kicking off summer in Geelong uh, with a, a, a massive game, a, a massive round one game, and uh, just just quietly as well, the uh, the the numbers from inside show um, Melbourne Victory fans are a bit lacking in the tickets at the moment. Ooh. So Melbourne Victory fans as well, you know, we pick we, up your game. We, exactly, we we want to hear that rivalry in the stands. Um, so uh, yeah, it's the, you build 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 up the club as you know the the num- Melbourne boys are still number one, whatever the chain is. Show it. Exactly. Bring the numbers. Put your money where your mouth is. Honestly, I like Dylan's pitch better, to be honest. But, you know, <laughs> he's on the team, so that's been unfair. Yeah, cool. All right, we'll take a short break here on The Green Room, proudly presented by Simmons Homes. We'll be back on the other side with David Clarkson, who is the Community Football Ambassador at Western United. What does that mean? We're going to find out. Absolutely. Western United, can they find something here? Big chance, Barisha! He's done it again! And it's a goal! Unbelievable! What about that? 
Presented by Simmons, it's the Green Room on FNR, Football Nation Radio. And we're back here on the official Western United Club show, proudly presented by Simmons Homes, the great Australian builder. This is the Green Room. Every week we'll be taking you inside Western United one of the league's newest and one of the most ambitious clubs in the A-League. I'm Josh Parrish. I'm here with Nick Hughes. And our next guest is a community football ambassador. Not only that, he has a pretty impressive playing history. And we even heard him on commentary in the last round of the FFA Cup. David Clarkson, welcome to the Green Room. Hello, gents. Thank you for having me. Um, I was just saying before that you set it up beautifully. It looks really nice, especially with the new away kit. Very nice. Yeah, it's nice, isn't it? There's a bit of yeah. a uh, kind of spray paint um, yes. going down the middle of that. Yeah. I mind it. The blacktop and the bitumen. Uh, <laughs> David, tell us a little bit about your role at the club because I don't know if the fans watching know what community football ambassador actually means. Mm. Well, that's a good question. Um, well, I only just started that role. Mm-hmm. Firstly, Chris Galavanis, the CEO, brought me on really to deal with the Tasmanian market, guys, because I grew up there playing my junior football there and obviously we're playing games in Tassie. Well, last season we played, we played two more this year in April and then we'll play the following year. So it was really about engaging the community in Tassie, but from that it spread now into um, into Victoria. And, look, we have a wonderful opportunity. There's some really great things happening with the club. There's a, there's a really good vibe, obviously, the stadium. But on the, my key role is to engage with the community clubs, of which we have 106 in our catchment. So... Um, my, the community football ambassador will be very much that working with the clubs um, in a meaningful way. We're going to uh, we're launching a program very shortly called the United Football Program that will give clubs opportunity to run programs powered by Western United in the, at their own facility, make money, and obviously obviously offer a service to their members. So I'm really excited about that um, and can't wait to launch it. So some good things happening. So you're a you're a proud Tasmanian, of course, and uh, you were part of the the club's pitch to Tasmania when they went down there for a couple of home games. Uh, no, that that was all done before my time. Okay, um, did a great job, and and Chris obviously dealt with the government, and the government were keen to have an A League football team playing in Tasmania. They have a similar setup with the AFL, the state. Predominantly when I was growing up, it was very much an AFL state and some wonderful players came out of Tasmania. Um, but it's not the case anymore. And, and football, our football is the most played team sport in the state. So it's a wonderful opportunity for us and it's a wonderful opportunity for the state of Tasmania to see high-level football. And the good thing is, guys, now that we, we've got our A-League, uh, W or A-League women's licence, what a fantastic opportunity. So we'll take the women down there as well. So it's those young aspiring girls that are looking to play football. They'll get to see it firsthand. And it's hard. That stretch of water makes a big difference. And I know growing up there it was difficult to move away without any clear pathway. So that's a big role for me is creating a clear pathway into the Western United system. Just how big was that last year? We know it was a... Build as a, a festival of football uh, at the club. It was, you know, the first uh, A League games uh, played uh, across the the stretch of water that you mentioned. Just how massive was it? And and moving forward now for the club to be going back there for the next couple of years. Yeah, to, talk to us about how big it is. Oh, it, was re- it was big, Nick, because it hasn't really happened before. Melbourne Victory's played some games down there, but it wasn't. I don't think it was a really solid relationship that was built. Um, the fact there's government backing, look, our team, you know, off-pitch team did a wonderful job in a very short lead-up time. We didn't have a lot of time to get this last season organised. We've laid the foundation now. It's time to build on it. We've got a much longer run-in now. Um, we're working really closely with government, council, all of the, uh, well, predominantly the north of the state because both of our games will be played in Launceston again, working with a community club. So, 
Yeah, it's very exciting. It's it's exciting for Western United and it's very exciting for the state of Tasmania and not just people who play and watch football, those who don't that can, you know, come along and, and, and have a look. Well, for those uh, people thinking about making a, a road trip down, I mean, mm. I, I I personally recommend the chairlift. That was fun. Uh, <laughs> we actually went down there to watch. It was it was a fab- fabulous experience last year. But returning to the west, wh- what are your impressions of the western suburbs of Melbourne as a as a football heartland? Because you know you've lived in, and played in this city before in your day uh, on the pitch and. You mentioned there 106 clubs. It's a pretty, uh, pretty dense uh, community of clubs that maybe is untapped at A-League level. Yeah, I think, well, it is untapped. It's the heartland of football, isn't it? It's like when Western Sydney Wanderers came into the league. It wasn't by chance that that was a, a success. The reason for that is because people care about football in the west of Sydney. It's it's in their DNA, and I feel that's the same in in the west of uh, of Melbourne. You know, and that takes in Ballarat and Geelong as well. So we have a massive catchment. Yeah, it's really what we do with that. It's important that we don't talk about it. We do it, and I feel like we're making inroads into that now. It's a big job. But we don't need all 106 clubs right now. We need six and seven and eight and just build the momentum. And the and the jewel in the crown is the stadium and the precinct. It's, it's something that no other club will have and who knows if any other club will ever have it in the future. But, you know, congratulations to, to the people involved and the chairman and, and Chris. It's a really exciting opportunity. Can't wait till that, till that happens. I don't know if you're aware of this uh, tournament, but it's something that we've gone down uh, on behalf of FNR to, to broadcast for a couple of years now. It happens with the final on Australia Day every year, and it's the African Nations Cup. Yeah. And it is just the most fantastic football experience uh, you know, at a grassroots level that you could hope for. I mean, a lot of the players are seriously good NPL players, sometimes played under assumed names because they don't want to get in trouble with their parent clubs <laughs> for playing games just before the season starts. But... Uh, it is a wonderful tournament. I did notice that you know Western United was the only club who had had any kind of presence there, and then going to watch the MPL three size uh, yeah. this year with such a strong core contingent of African Australian players in that side and uh, building a bit of a, a following in that community as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, even without a home ground, uh, that's a pretty exciting uh, cash cachet to to develop, right? It's very exciting. I mean, the Afri- it's just multicultural city there, isn't it? I mean, we've got some Asians involved now. We're looking, there's a supporters group. It's Look, football is, it speaks every language, doesn't it? That's the beauty of football. It can be played anywhere, anytime. And we want to be the vehicle for those young people. And, and they don't have to be aspiring to be the best, you know, or, or play at a professional level. We hope a lot do and can, but it's about giving kids an opportunity to play anywhere, anytime, and then to experience coming to watch, you know, elite level football. It's, we have a lot of positives. I wanted to touch on the accessibility of football as part of this pitch because I've been talking to the organisers of that tournament. They say a lot of uh, the fans that come to watch and the players that play, some of them aren't always involved uh, in proper organised football because it's just so expensive to play, um, you know, junior football for an MPL club or some of them don't go to games because it's too expensive to get in. So uh, are Western United looking to to make football more accessible to you know, potentially uh, multicultural communities and um, so low socioeconomic areas in the West? Yeah, well, we're not just looking. We are doing that very much, working with local councils. And, I mean, on um, on Monday, this coming Monday, I'm going out to Wyndham Council. They're running a program out there. We, we obviously don't charge for that. It's, it's, it's a difficult situation because football, our football in general, it's always a user pay system and it's it's difficult. So, you know, we, we Football Australia was bang on. We've got all these participants. But the problem with our game, all of those participants fund the game going up where in AFL the funding comes down to the grassroots. We have to change that. We have to make it because if it's about if you're looking to really identify a male or female player, it shouldn't be about their bank account or what their parents do. It should be about the talent of the player. So we are, we're looking at scholarship programs. We, we can bring players in that maybe are not in a position to, to be paying money. Then we give them the opportunity. Why? Because they're good footballers. That's why. 
in terms of uh, you know cost and and sort of promoting youth, I think the the club's doing some fantastic work with kids go free for the the home games across the A League men's season. Uh, the the academy is you know one year in and, and now continuing to grow and. Uh, as as Josh said, we, we've seen a couple of stars, uh, a handful now have signed their first uh, pro deal. So, is that sort of an end goal with your work with uh, some of the some of those community clubs? You mentioned you don't we don't need to go out and get all 106 uh, all in one go. But is is that sort of what the work is is geared up towards? Exposing more and more and more young people to our game, to our club. Uh, and then getting themselves involved with a view to one day pulling on the green and black themselves. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's done everywhere in the world. Why can't it not be done here? Look, I think eventually we'll have an internal transfer system. Um, and if you look at the big clubs in the world, like your Ajax and these type of clubs, they're, they're, they're actually, whilst they're a big club, but they're a production line for their players, and, and they their club is funded by selling players. We don't really have that opportunity now with our system. I mean, some players go overseas and that's difficult. We have to have it internally. And, yeah, if we can develop players to play for Western United, great. But also if we can develop players that we can sell as a commodity, that that makes sense. That's just football. And if you can get players to, you know, if they don't go and play professionally, at least pull on a green and black jersey at a young age and uh, maybe turn up to a home game, that wouldn't hurt either. Well, yeah, again, just having that clear, defined pathway where they come into a system as a 10, 12-year-old and we can monitor them. Not everyone is going to make it, but they will be, they will have green and black running through their veins. And like kids in Liverpool that might go to the Liverpool Academy, even though they go off and do other things, they're Liverpool supporters. That's just how it is. So that's exactly what we want. I'm really hoping that, you know, someone like Adisu Bayou or Ajak Day breaks through this season and gives kids in that community, in that area, a yeah. role model to look up to so that they can see themselves on the pitch. Because, I mean, how good would that be? I mean, these these guys are training with the first team already on scholarship deals. Adusu yeah. just risen through the ranks like uh, you wouldn't believe and, and he's now representing the Oliroos as well. So, I mean, that's, that's a, a powerful image, I think. Yeah, I think for all sports, but for ours, definitely. And the picture paints a thousand words, you know, but it's not, none of this stuff is handed to anybody, is it? You've got to work hard, train hard, be a good person, be a good character. Um, and we look to identify that because it is about the character as well. But, you know, that example that you just gave, it's, it's wonderful for young, young kids looking and saying, wow, this can really happen now. Tell us a little bit about yourself and, and your career. Um, if people follow the National Soccer League or, um, you know, the English uh, divisions back in the day, they, they would know your name. But uh, for younger fans who perhaps aren't familiar with your career, tell us a bit about your uh, your playing experience. Well, there'll be plenty of those because I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you know, I grew up in Tassie and I, I always wanted to play football. And like many of my teammates and players that I've played against, you were, it's often... More often than not, it's your dad's involved in some capacity. My dad, you know, we came from the UK. They were 10-pound palms. I was two years of age with my sister was five. And, yeah, I just grew up around a ball. My dad played at the Juventus, the local Italian club, and would spend many a long nights. I'd be asleep under the table while he's drinking his grappa, you know. And <laughs> back in those days, no seatbelts and no just drive-home drunk. Um, and then he became a referee, which well, that was a little bit difficult because I'd go to watch and people would be bagging him, you know. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> um, but then fortunately I, you know, I was identified to have some type of ability and I represented Tasmania at a national championships in New South Wales in Sydney and I got chosen or went to the – chosen to go on scholarship to the AIS – so I went for two years in 1986 and 87, which was a, just a brilliant opportunity for me coming from Tassie in just a professional football environment with the best players in the country. Um, and then from there I just I started to progress and I was fortunate enough to sign a deal at, at Brighton and Hove Albion in the UK. Um, I bef- yes, before that I actually played for Sunshine George Cross, funnily enough, with Ernie Merrick. There you go. <laughs> you know, national, and we played, guys, we played at Skinner Reserve. Now, Skinner Reserve back then 
I've been back since, like it looks half decent. Back then it was just the biggest, can I say, shithole. Um, <laughs> and we were playing National Soccer League game there. But it was a wonderful team, Craig Foster, Paul Foster, Damian Murray, all almost Ernie Merrick chose, you know, went and just identified all the best young players at, um, at, at the AIS and brought them into his system. So we had a couple of seasons there and that was a great grounding because we were playing against big teams, Marconi, South, uh, Sydney Olympic, and you learn quick, you know, you learn very quick against those guys. Yeah, and then from there I just went on, Brighton and Hovell, we played in Asia, came back, played seven seasons for South Melbourne in the old National Soccer League with Ange Postacoglu as our coach. And we had a lot of success. We went back-to-back champions. We played in the World Club Championships in Brazil in 2000 against Manchester United at the Maracanã in, in uh, Rio de Janeiro. Um, so that was the best eight club teams in the world. And at that time, we were part of Oceana, so we represented Oceana. So, look, I had a good career. I couldn't have been better, of course. Um, but going back to what I said, it's about you know, working hard and training hard. And I came from the backwaters of Tassie. You know, we didn't even have a McDonald's when I was growing up. <laughs> but I still managed to get identified. So, you know, you hear a lot of kids, oh, but it's not fair or it's, more often than not, if you're good enough, you'll, you'll get selected. You'll be found somewhere. Not many slip through the net. Is, is your career something then that you sort of touch on uh, in, in your ambassadorial role now that you can sort of use yourself as one of those examples that we've been talking about and um, and, and use that experience to, to put into your role and, you know, bring in some new ideas and, and try and help that, that movement. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I, I believe that's the case because I lived it, you know, and it wasn't the red carpet certainly wasn't rolled out. It was mm. tough. Like really, I had to move away from home at 15 years of age. In fact, Steve Horvath was the same. He went from Geelong to AIS at 15. I found a photo of him the other day. It was, I sent it to him. It looked like this, just just like a little kid. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I feel I can draw on that experience and, and coming from Tasmania where it was difficult. Like if you look, when we went back to Tassie, you can see now that it's a state that's it's thirsty and for top-level sport, mm. jump jack, jumping jacks or jump jack jumpers in the NBA, <laughs> the NBL team. I don't know if they'll ever get an AFL team. I hope not. Um, <laughs> and, and really, really they deserve, uh, not, yeah, perhaps deserve, but more that it really makes sense for them to have their own A-League team, an A-League W team, because Tasmanians are very parochial and they will get behind a team. So that would create a much... Um, cleaner pathway for players. And I, I speak to people here in Melbourne and in Tassie, like Nathaniel Atkinson, that, you know, he played for Riverside Olympic in the north. It was not even a big club. But the, the thing we've got to do now is take away that by chance. We need to start saying, well, right, let's look at these players and help them on a, on a defined pathway into, you know, elite-type football. Yeah, something I found actually refreshing about Western United's um, approach when they went down there uh, last year was uh, that they weren't pretending to be Tasmania's team. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, they were actually saying, yeah, you sh- guys should have your own team. But until until then, we're playing a few games here while we build our stadium. If you want to support us, um, great. But in the meantime, come watch us as a neutral or otherwise because this is a quality team with players like you know Diamante in it. So why wouldn't you want to come and watch? No, it's a good point, Josh. And and Chris and we've all seen from the same hymn book there, we're not going there to, you know, say we're the team of Tasmania. We actually want to help them and say, well, show that you can support a team and, and that football is very much front and centre for you guys. And that'll still be the message. I think however they do it, you know, whether it's second division, promotion, relegation, or there's more licences handed out, I, I do believe you know, that Tasmania one day will have its its own A-League football club, definitely. Talk uh, talk about the, the stadium and, and, you know, the home, whether it's a, a temporary home in in Tassie and, and, you know, sort of letting them have their own thing. But obviously we've, um, you know, in, in the process of, of building something special like you, you said earlier, how, how much will then that in, in particular help what you're doing uh, with, uh, with the community clubs and, 
and young uh, young players as well with that whole precinct to you know some people might even be living in that precinct and they they can yeah, they can yeah. look at, look out of their balconies and, yeah. and and see all of that happening so what what will that do to to someone in your role uh, or future you know ambassadorial mm-hmm. roles as well well, there's an old saying, isn't it? Build, build it and they will come. So, look, that's that's definitely the case because if you've got a home that you can bring people to, you you give yourself every chance of succeeding. You know, it is difficult. I feel for Chris and the, and the chairman it's, it's, and everybody involved at the club because we play in Ballarat, we play in Geelong, we play in Tassie, we play at Amy Park and we tried to play at Lakeside but that got bashed on the head. <laughs> um, but, you know, these are all, this is all part of our development and I think these difficult times will help us to grow stronger and appreciate more when we do have a stadium. But, look, I think everyone gets a little frustrated and there's red tape and, you know, we talk about it a lot. It, it, the fact of the matter it is going to happen um, and, and what really my role now is just to make sure that we don't wait three years down the track and then say, oh, wait, now we should engage with the community, guys. Not too late then. Let's start now, work with them at their at their own clubs and then when it's time, when we have a stadium and precinct, like you said, Nick, then, then this just opens up massive opportunities for us. Well, that's a common theme. Uh, we touched on earlier, nothing's handed to you in a professional football career and a stadium doesn't get handed to you either. Uh, <laughs> No, Surprisingly complicated process. <laughs> uh, David, last time you were on air at FNR, uh, you gave us a little impromptu uh, serenade. I don't know if anybody uh, is aware of your uh, your musical inclinations. You're, uh, you're a good guitarist, a bit of a singer. Well, I'll tell you how it came about. It was I thought I would have locked down 45 or it was one, I think it was one of the early ones. <laughs> it was one of the early ones, so I thought, I wasn't working. Uh, I thought, I can't just, what am I doing? I do, I like to run, but um, so I thought, I, I can't waste my time. So I thought, I, I've always wanted to play a musical instrument and learn another language. So the language didn't go so well, but, and, and I'm probably the get learning the guitar, if you hear it, didn't go that well either, but I tried to learn it. And um, yeah, I just enjoy it. It gives me, you know, a bit of downtime, no waste time. And, um, but what I did, now, obviously, guys, we haven't spoken about it yet. I'm not sure if you're aware, but we play our first home game of the season mm-hmm. on the weekend against Melbourne Victory. You know that other team in Melbourne or the, <laughs> the Navy Blue ones? Yeah, the Melbourne but, Victory, I think, the Western United States <laughs> yeah, refer it to us. Well, they're certainly at the top end of the town, aren't they? They click their Chardonnay glasses. So, But they have a song um, called Stand By Me that you would know after the game. But I've tried to, the first verse... I tried to change it up a little bit because obviously they're not going to be singing it on Saturday night, maybe when they're driving now to Geelong and hopefully they come in their numbers. Um, So I'll I'll do a little bit so they can have a sing along, but um, then we could go into our song. So let's have a look. When the night has come and the score is dark the moon is the only light you see. Be afraid, be afraid, oh, be very afraid, just as long as you see Diamante. <laughs> Bravo. Um, look, it's, you, you, we want rivalry, you know, obviously, and, and, you know, Tony Popovich has is, is put a really top squad together and they plan on winning things as we do. I think Chris and the team have done a terrific job in putting a really strong, strong squad together. Um, and to be honest, I wouldn't want to be John Aloisi trying to pick that squad every week because, it's you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of depth. I think his, in my opinion, his um, challenge will be firstly just get the foreigners fit. <laughs> Especially Bilovic because he'll score us thirty goals. But um, just getting the getting the mix right, you know, especially in that midfield, just to um, to make sure that it's working well. Because no doubt in my mind that we have got the caliber of player to do something really special this year. So 
you know, Chris and the guys have, have I think, handed him some wonderful tools. Mm. Don, I'm talking about. It's it's now up to him to mould and massage them and, and get it right. And we saw some good signs when we beat Newcastle Jets in the FFA Cup. So let's hope that uh, continues on Saturday night and we get it. Uh, yeah, Saturday night we get a result. Well, uh, we breezed yeah, past it, but uh, I, I thought the uh, the song deserved a round of applause. Are you, yeah. have you, are you doing an encore for us? Well, what I, what I might do now is because they won't be singing and we will, what song do we sing? I think we all know it. Sing along if you know it, boys. <laughs> Where it began... Can't begin to know when, but well, I know it's growing strong. Was in the spring, and spring became a summer. Who'd have believed you'd come along? Oh, hold on. Long, yes, sorry, along. Hands. Come on in. Touching hands, reaching out, touching me, touching you, sweet Caroline. Good times never seem so good. There you go. Let's hope we sing that in our numbers on. Uh, it's hard to do a sing-along with the delay on Zoom, yeah. but uh, <laughs> I, I think uh, we'll have to get you in the studio and get a proper, like, high-definition, uh, high-fidelity high recording of that one. <laughs> no, it's all good fun. And, look, ticket sales are strong. You know, if we can't get 10,000-plus, you know, when we haven't had a lot of football, or last season we had football with no crowds and our team had to travel interstate and be in hubs and all the blah, blah, Come on, let's just rock the joint. And that's for Melbourne Victory fans as well, you know. Obviously, for me, Tony Popovich would want the Melbourne Victory fans there and almost try and turn it into a home game for them because, as we know, they play games in Geelong, so it's not like it's something, you know, totally new for them. Let's just, for football's sake, let's fill the place up. Tickets are selling fast, so you better get in soon if you want to be there. Uh, for for round one, and why wouldn't you be? I mean, it's uh, a pretty impressive squad that's been assembled. Uh, Dylan Wenzel Halls was excited when we we spoke to him earlier. You know, Priyovich already on the board, of course, uh, with a little assistance from the from the Newcastle Jets goalkeeper. Uh, but it's going to be a fabulous occasion. Uh, David Clarkson, thank you so much uh, for uh, giving us uh, an insight into your role as community football ambassador and uh, singer-songwriter. I don't know if that's an official <laughs> title, uh, but absolutely love it. And we'll have you on uh, again later on in the season, I'm sure. Good on you, Josh. Thanks very much. Good on you, Nick. Well done, guys. Thanks, Doing a really terrific job. All the best. David Clarkson, uh, what a man, what a that character. fantastic. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. <laughs> I, I don't think uh, we were expecting uh, to be uh, doing karaoke no. here on the station. <laughs> absolutely <but. laughs> not. When I, uh, when I parked up in front of Rombarassi Reserve, I was, uh, I was not expecting karaoke, but here we are. I'd love to see it. So before we go, we've got about three minutes left. Nick Hughes, I want you to get into the mind of John Aloisi Okay. Activate your ESP mm-hmm. and tell us the starting lineup. Give us your starting lineup. All right, um, for Saturday's game. I think uh, the from what we've seen in some of the friendlies and and the FFA Cup game as well. I think there's uh, there seems to be a, an early sort of first choice eleven uh, mm-hmm. in in John Aloisi's mind. I think it will be very similar from um, from Saturday night. Uh, Ryan Scott might um, see himself in with a chance to to bump Jamie Young out of um, out of out of the goalkeeper position. That's a, that's That'll, a competitive. It very. Uh, I, I, I remember. I remember quite a while ago. I was um, had Nick uh, beside me, and, and we were sort of just looking at the 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 Western United squad. And honestly, I, I don't think there's a, another team that has a pair of goalkeepers like Western United does. Um, and he's already bumped off an experienced um, goalkeeper for the number one jersey last season. So sure. you never count Ryan Scott out, but obviously Jamie Young 
He's been, what, Brisbane Rules Player of the Year for about a decade yeah. or something, <laughs> I assume. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, so, yeah, I think that'll that'll certainly be a, a position up for grabs. Uh, I think the, the back four um, conceding a, a goal, albeit a, a marvellous free kick. I from, can't do uh, too much about yeah, it. Yeah, from, uh, from Pena on, on Saturday, I think. Seem to be working really well together. Leo Lacroix uh, coming in as, as one of the foreigners looks a, a real beast. I know we were uh, we had the the A League uh, preview show just playing before we started, and I heard your thoughts on him, and and I definitely the roles agree. Of he, he, he looks he looks magic. Um, you know, Josh Risden back and and fully fit, and and Ben Garuccio on the other side. Um, Certainly on Saturday, providing a, a lot of forward thrust from the the fullback positions. I think there's mm-hmm. a, there's a lot to like there. Uh, Tamaki and I probably slotting in uh, in the other centre back role. Um, Rene Crin or Crin Crin. I've been told um, by my uh, my Balkan friends this is the correct pronunciation. But if that's wrong, Rene, please get in touch. <laughs> I'm sure we'll uh, we'll speak to Rene sometime soon, and and he can give us a, a, a proper pronunciation. But he's probably probably. Um, I think a, a bit more of a future, um, pros- well, future prospect in, in terms of starting. Yeah, um, sometimes hope- with the foreign players, depending yeah. on when they arrive, depending on quarantine, depending on uh, training arrangements and how much they've played at their previous club, it can be difficult to get match fit for round one. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, I'd be surprised to see him starting at least. Yeah, for sure. Would Hopefully we'll uh, we'll see him on the on the bench at least, but I think the midfield three... Kilkenny looked really good, uh, mm. I thought, on, on Saturday, uh, screening that back four. Um, Stephen Lustiger and uh, and Dia in front of him. And then I think you know, Dylan Wenzel-Halls, uh, he, he said it. He was happy with how he played. I agree. He was, he was very sharp. He might have had a couple of goals, I think, for you know Jack Duncan's uh, unfortunate moments in the game. He pulled off one particularly very good save from... Uh, from a, a shot from Dylan from outside the box, so he's you know every chance to to start again, um, despite you know Previc coming in and and scoring the winner. Uh, so I think you know uh, as well as the goalkeeping position, I think that number nine position is uh, probably the um, mm. the the most hotly contested uh, position in the starting eleven so far. Um, Lucky Wales. Um, Filling his uh, filling his boots early with a, a first goal against Newcastle as well, and, and Connor Payne back in his more uh, traditional uh, winger position. Um, mm. You know, Dylan Perias is is going to be knocking on on doors to to get into that team as well. Christian Theoharis has has been training well and and obviously earned himself a contract returning to to Melbourne potentially a, a, a first appearance against, of course, his former side Melbourne Victory. Um, but as Dylan said, I think the, the the depth of the squad is really impressive. The, the quality of you know whatever eleven that is going to be rolled out, uh, I, th- I think is very eye catching. The mm. game the game is going to be a fantastic one. You know we've we've said it multiple times. Tickets are going, so get on it. Um, you know we we want to fill that stadium uh, obviously as much as we can uh, on on Saturday, and it's uh, it's going to be a massive occasion. We're in lockstep on the uh, on the formation uh, and the the four two three one um, the lineup. I think you've picked it pretty pretty reliably. Uh, one thing I would like to see, maybe a slight point of difference, is Dylan Wenzel Halls, our guest tonight, playing off the left flank and coming inside onto his right foot with Priovic as the 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 wall pass. I suppose mm. um, I, I think he could surprise a lot of people with the the versatility of his play this season because. His reputation is as a striker because he played in a front two at Brisbane Raw, but I also think he can play as a, a winger, not a traditional winger, but a mm. forward cutting inside. And I think that could be a, a great goal-scoring threat um, for the side this season. And as he said in the interview, that's where he's played his best football is with a kind of foil up front. So I'd go Wenzel Hall's left, maybe Lockie Wales on the right. He scored. It's hard to take him out of the team. And yeah. then, of course, who else are you going to pick? In the number ten position, but uh, Mr. Diamante. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's a it's a great point, and and I think yeah, just just the var- variety of options uh, mm. is is massive, and you know, lucky that uh, the the squad is is pretty pretty much at <clears throat> excuse me, pretty much at full complement heading into round one. It will be a, a long season. We do have the FFA Cup that is a, mm-hmm. a a big push for a trophy as well. So there'll be there'll be games for everyone, and. Uh, Five subs, I believe, still. Yeah. So plenty of uh, plenty of changes in the game as well. 
But uh, yeah, just just looking forward to to that first whistle. I can't wait. We're going to be down there, the FNR crew, uh, including uh, last season's green room hosts, Ed Gooden yeah. and Athos Siriana. So if you see us at the game, please come and say hi. And uh, can't wait for Saturday night. It's going to be a fantastic match. There's always goals in this game. It's always dramatic. 3-2, 4-3. It could be another absolute barn burner. So make sure you get down to GMHBA Stadium on Saturday night. Get your ticket sooner rather than later. Uh, So uh, we know what happens when we go past the hour mark here is uh, all the lights turn off. So we uh, we better get out of the the green room for this week. And uh, we'll be back next time with an A-League game to talk about. So can't wait for that. Thanks for tuning in. This show proudly presented by major sponsors of of, uh, the Green Room of Western United and front of shirt sponsors this season, Simmons Homes, the great Australian builder. You'll see their beautiful logo on the front of the jerseys on Saturday. Fantastic jerseys this season. They are gorgeous. If we start talking kits, we'll be here all night. (laughs) We've got to go. Thank you for tuning in here on FNR Football Nation Radio. This has been The Green Room. Western United, can they find something here? Big chance for Russia. He's done it again. And it's a goal. Unbelievable. What about this? Dylan Piraeus, his first touch of the game. Sanchez. Western United do claim the three points. And Diamante again. Oh, he's done it twice. He's chipped the keeper. Presented by Simmons. It's the green room on FNR. Football Nation Radio.